Welcome to the Holy City Church podcast station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. Join me in Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11, and when you do find it, join me by standing and we'll read it together, and he says, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when, where, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dog, dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them. Let let them they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And ask, it will ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? Our Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this word you've given us, Father. We just we're so thankful that we can read them thousands of years after he's been written. Thank you for preserving it so we can learn more about you, learn more about everything you've done for us, Lord, and, and allow us to live out exactly what you called us to live, Lord. Uh, Father, as we continue to look at this, Lord, I just ask that the words that I speak may not be mine, but yours. And Father, that you open our hearts and our minds to receive and understand what you have for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. See, these, these verses that we just read are on my top five most misunderstood and most taken out of context verses of all time. So I will have a list. Uh, about three of these will fall. No, two of these will fall into my top five, even though all of them are probably misunderstood. But two of these verses, two of these sections of verses fall under my top five misunderstood verses of all time. First, even though we can all agree that the whole world will one day be judged and we will stand in front of God, we can all agree on that. We will debate all day on whether it is okay for a Christian to judge somebody or shouldn't they judge somebody. I mean, we have that agreement. Hey, one day we're all going to be judged. The judge, you know, we're talking about judging all the time. But we can literally sit here and debate on whether we should judge or not. As a matter of fact, I can almost guarantee you that after I'm done, someone is going to judgingly, you know, say that I'm wrong. They're going to judge me for it and say, hey, you're wrong. We shouldn't judge by judging me. So, and I've seen division, and I've seen arguments, 
among many because we lack an understanding of what the Bible says about judging others. Not only that, we just lack a truly full understanding of what's written here in these verses. I mean, nowadays even non-believers give us a hard time about judging, right? They say, hey, you shouldn't judge. You're a Christian. Hey, Christian, you shouldn't be judging, right? And then they want to quote the first half of verse 1, just those two words. You know, hey, doesn't the Bible say judge not? So you shouldn't be judging. You're a Christian. You know, they forget that the Bible is not just two, you know, words. It does continue on to read more things, right? But they use it. They use it, and they want us to not judge. You know, people from all sides love to misquote this verse. And then secondly, how about when we think we can just come to God and ask anything of Him, and He was just going to give it to us? Ask whatever your heart's desire, and God will give it to you. So that's how we have so many of those prosperity churches because they believe literally this is what that verse is saying. Hey, just ask away and God will give it to you. So of course, I really want that big house. So I'm going to ask. Because I'm going to ask in faith, God's going to give it to me. And we debate and then we argue all day whether it's a promise that we should get everything that we desire or not. So even that we have a hard time with. So, of course, it's no surprise that we have such a division and so much confusion within the church itself just on two sections of Jesus' sermon. I mean, I kind of get it, right? It is a tricky section of Scripture. It is very tricky. You have to be very careful when you read this section of, of the sermon. Uh, and, and, and I'm talking about in, in terms of the outline, the way that it's written out, the way this is displayed. It's very tricky. It can be very tricky. I mean, people think that Matthew is just kind of cutting, cutting, pasting different sermons that Jesus said on the mountain. He said, wait a second. I like this sermon. Let me write about this one. And then Jesus talks and he talks and talks. Matthew says, hey, this is not very interesting. I'll wait a little. But look, that's, this is interesting. Let me copy that part down. So it's, it's like if Matthew was just cutting little pieces of different types of sermons together into making it seem like one big sermon. You know, but that's not the case. That's not what's happening here. It's not like, you know, Jesus first talked about, you know, hey, don't judge. And then all of a sudden, he changes his mind and says, hey, let me talk to you about, you know, not preaching the gospel to pigs. Right? And then he changes his mind and goes, you know what? I'm done with that. Let's, let's talk about pray whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Right? And then maybe, you know, he continues about, you know, hey, by the way, there's going to be difficult gates. Which one are you going to choose, good gate or bad gate, right? And he goes so on and so on. It's, it, so it's structurally, it's difficult, right? It's difficult to follow. It's not easy. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to say it is. But, of course, this is not what's happening. Jesus does not suffer from ADHD. No, he does not have pocus issues. That's not what's happening. This is one sermon. This is not multiple sermons. I mean, the whole chapter, when you put it together, you read it in context as a whole, you're going to see that it's all about judgment. It starts with, a, with an attitude towards others, and it ends with our attitude towards God. And, and if we spend so much time looking at, we have spent so much time looking at these verses separately, you know, we never really preach on the whole thing. We take 
one section and then we talk about it a few weeks past and then we decide, oh, let's talk about this other section. So, of course, we spend so much time that we start to lose the focus of how everything just kind of works together. So, of course, because we've, we're so used to that, we have this, this problem that we, we become unclear what Jesus is saying with these verses. So today we're going to get some clarity. I, at least I hope we're going to try to get some clarity from, from what Christ is saying with the sermon. We're going to see how, how he starts by asking us, you must see yourself clearly first. You must see yourself clearly. Then you must see others clearly. And then lastly, we must see God clearly. So let's start by trying to see yourself more clearly because if there's one thing that many of us have a problem with is that we like to point at everyone, but we don't like to point at ourselves. It's very easy to point somebody out and say, hey, look, this guy or this girl or this woman or this man or this person is doing something, but man, it's so hard to say, hey, I'm doing something wrong. It's very hard to point at yourself, but it's so easy to point at others. It's like when we say, hey, everybody's crazy. Man, everybody's so crazy. Or, man, everybody, why does everybody have a problem? But we don't realize that we are too crazy, and we do have problems ourselves. So it's easy to call those out, but it's hard to call ourselves. So then Jesus starts and he says, judge not that you be not judged. So the first thing is why. Why should we take that? Why, why should, does that even make sense? And he explains in verse 2, For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, so this is the first most uh, taken out, out of context verse, right? Saying, oh, don't judge, right? But this doesn't mean that God is going to use the same principles, right? We use to judge others. He's not going to use the same principles on us. He's not saying, hey, you know, you approach the person, a brother of yours, and say, look, man, you have an addiction problem. You, you, you need to fix that addiction problem. You need to get away from that addiction problem. Because you judge that person and say, hey, you have an addiction problem, doesn't mean that God is going to judge you based on an addiction problem. He's going to say, well, you judged this man because he had an addiction, so now you're standing in front of me, and I'm going to judge you like if you had an addiction. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he means is that God is going to judge you based on your own life. He's going to judge you based on your heart, how your heart expresses itself towards other people. So in other words, he will judge you based on the attitude we take towards others. So if you're putting people down, you're, you're, you're approaching your brother or your friend, or, or in this case, your brother is, you know, anyone that's around you. You're approaching them because they're in a sinful lifestyle or they're committing a sin and you're going up to them and you're saying hey you have a sin problem but I'm telling you because I want to put you down and I want to make you feel bad about it so I can lift myself up God's going to judge you on the fact that you have a problem because you're putting that person down right that's what he's saying he's not saying don't judge he's saying you I'm going to judge you on the fact that you like to put people down not because you judged someone, because you did it wrong. I mean, if you're going out judging people to make yourself feel supreme over everyone, that attitude is what's 
you're going to be judged for. Again, not the fact that you judge. It's that attitude that you approach that situation. Second thing is, I'm sure you're probably saying is, wait, wait a second. Isn't judging a sin? Right? You're, you're talking about judging, but judging itself is a sin. So why should you even do it to begin with? No, judging is not a sin. Judging someone is not a sin. Judging, period, is not a sin. We all have to judge. We all have to make some kind of judgment, right? If you're going to cross the street, you've got to look both ways, and you've got to make a judgment on whether you're going to get hit by a car or not. If there's a car coming, okay, it's probably not a good idea to cross. That right there, by definition, is you judging something, right? Judging a situation, judging whether this car is going to come or not. Right? And, and not, don't forget, you know, last week at the end of the sermon, Jesus' sermon, he, what does he say, right? He tells you to beware of false prophets. So how are you going to beware of false prophets if you can't judge who those false prophets are? I'm not saying you're not approaching them. You're a false prophet. But you look at a person and you go, does this guy have fruits or not? That right there is judgment. We have to be able to discern situations. It's not possible to just not judge things. You can't. It's not impossible. It's not humanly possible to. So, of course, this is not about not judging. It's about being clear of who you are and what you're doing. And, and we get a better understanding when we look at the illustration that Jesus uh, uses here. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says, why do you see the speck? that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? So Jesus is saying that this man here has a log in his eye. And we all know when he's referring to that, he has Sin in his eye, uh, in his life, not in his eye, in his, in his life. He has some kind of sin in his life. This man has sin in his life. So what is this man doing? He's looking at the speck that his brother has in his eye. He's saying, I got tons of sin in my life, but I'm looking at your sin. And he says, let me remove that tiny speck that is in your eye while I'm acting like I don't really have nothing wrong with me. I want to remove that speck. But don't worry, I don't got no logs in my eye. And I want to uh, quote Joe Biden when he says, come on, man. Like, come on. It's like, really? You're going to go judge what I'm doing when you yourself are living this whole life of lies and, and sin. But you're going to come and point out a mine. So you're looking for sin in other people, and when you find it, you're like, you know, you're ready to go after it. Oh, this guy. Oh, I saw this guy sin. Oh, I'm coming after you, right? It's like, you know, it's like a, a, a lion going after his prey where he's kind of just looking, looking. And when he's ready, boom, he attacks. We're looking. We're looking. A person committed a sin. We jump at him. Just go get him. You're more worried about someone else's sin than your own sin. Your, your focus is on the people sinning, but you're not focused on your own sin. 
You're forgetting that you sin yourself. He's not saying we shouldn't call someone out for their own sin. He's not saying, hey, look, because you're a sinful person, don't call anyone out. Okay? That's not what he's saying. You've got to understand this. Jesus is talking about the fact that while you're being blind to your own sin, you want to call everybody else out. You want to say, I'm okay, I'm good, but you're not. That's not the case. Sometimes we, you know, you may even have sin in your own life that, doesn't, that does far more greater pain and cause far more greater uh, hurt than other people. But yeah, you keep it to you. You say, no, no, I'm good. You know, your sin is hurting a lot more people than my sin, man. But no, you, you're, you're quickly to point minds out. You're not going to acknowledge that sin that you're in. Maybe the reason you won't acknowledge it is because, you know, that maybe that's just your defense mechanism, or at least, you know, it kind of started off that way, right? You know, I don't, you know, I'm kind of scared of people, you know, see me or, or see me as, as someone who's weak, right? We we set sometimes we do set in high expectation within the church sometimes, um, sometimes not on purpose, sometimes on purpose, you know, you never who knows, but sometimes we do set this expectation and people can't meet it. So 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 in order not to feel like we're failing we act like if we're not right we got to put out this defense on and say no no we're not sinners i'm not sinning i'm good and then with time as as time just kind of continues you 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 using this kind of defense mechanism it becomes like a part of your daily life where now you're all of a sudden looking for someone who's sinning to just say something and this becomes your part of who you are now it was first a defense mechanism, but now it's like your everyday lifestyle. I'm walking, looking at people in Facebook. Oh, look at this guy. Well, he said, what a sinner. We wake up, the first thing we do, we open Facebook, and we're ready to cast judgment on everyone who's in there. You, you become so sensitive to sin of others, but yet you walk around like if you're all good. You did it so much that you actually believe now that you're better than everyone. You've come to that point where you say, okay, yeah, I'm better than everyone. Because you've done it for so long. You've, you've forgotten your own sin. You, you, you forgot who you are. Because you're so focused on everybody else, you forgot who you are. Now you've become an actor, thinking something that you're not. And then Jesus responds to that this way. You hypocrite. He calls you a hypocrite. You say, hey, you who think that you are, but you're not, you're a hypocrite. Why don't you just first take the log out of your own eye, and then you're going to see clearly to take the speck out of your own brother's eye. Sinclair says it like this. You have now become what you once know you could only pretend to be, which is better than others. You've pretended for so long. I think I'm better than everyone. I'm going to act like I'm better than everyone. And now you're at the point that you really think you're better than everyone. And even you acknowledge at first, you know what, I'm acting like I'm better than everyone. Right? You say, oh, yeah, I know I'm acting. I know I'm not better than everyone. But now you really do think you're better than everyone. 
And I know I'm being hard, I get it, you know. But even I have to deal with this because we all have, at some point have had some of these symptoms, right? Where we are just easily, you know, with this week we were easily to pounce on some people in my house. And especially the last couple of months, right? The last year almost, it's been a year since the whole thing started. Or four years, it depends who you want to look at it. Those who didn't like Trump or whatever. We point out, one group has, you know, evil. We, we, we point out and say, oh, the, the Democrats are evil people. Forgetting that you're evil yourself and you're probably Republican or none, right? But they're evil, but you're evil too. And we become so easily to judge others for what they say while forgetting what we just said. I mean, we... We've, we've said some nasty things sometimes, right, in the last couple of months. Not all, I hope not all of you, right? But people have said some nasty things the last couple of months. And then when somebody says something nasty about them, they're like, hey, hey, don't offend me. Wait a second, you just offended me. What are you talking about? We're so easy, right? It's so easy to point those things to others. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to oppose the injustice and the lies we encounter. But when we have this outburst of emotion uh, towards these things and, and we just all of a sudden are ready to just fight somebody, that, that emotion is wrong. That's not how we go about it. And look, even the greatest leaders have had issues, right? Look at David. David is a good example. If you go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Here, let me read... Uh, Verse 2 to 7, it says, the rich men, this is uh, uh, Nathan, right? Nathan is he's giving Dan, uh, David, sorry, David a, a parable, kind of like a parable, right? Can give him a story. And he says, the rich men had, a very, ha- had very many flocks and herds, but the poor men had nothing but one little of lamp, lamp, sorry, which he had bought, and he bought it up. He brought it up, and he grew up with him and with his children. He used to eat with his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And he was like a daughter to him. Now, there comes a traveler to the rich man. You know, the rich man that had everything. And he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamp and prepared it for the men who had come to him. So basically, the rich man took the only lamp the poor man had for himself to, to satisfy what he needed at the moment was to have others eat, his guests. So then David's anger was greatly kindled against the men. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. He said, hey, that man was wrong for doing that. And then Nathan said to David, David, you are that man. You are the man who took When, when David heard the story, he, he was angry about the person doing evil. 
And he was immediately ready to attack. But he had just forgotten that he just literally killed Uriah for his own selfish desire. He had Uriah killed because he wanted his wife that had his kid. He took and he forgot. And he was ready to judge somebody else for what they've done. But he forgot that he himself was a sinner. We're so easy to be angry about others sinning. That we forget that we are sinners ourselves. Again, it's not that it's wrong to, to, uh, to approach or, or to call somebody or, or to go try to help somebody who's living a life of, of sin. That's not what I'm saying. But that same passion you have to see others not sin, that same passion you have, you're approaching people, hey, I don't want you to sin because I don't want you to go to hell. Hey, I want you to live God's way. The same passion you have for others, you need to have it for yourself first. If you're okay with your sin, but not okay with others, you need to go back and analyze yourself because you're a sinner as well. You need to not be okay with other sin, especially your own. Yes, I don't want you to sin, but I don't want to sin myself. The same way you want to point out others' sin, you need to want to point your own sin out. That's what he's saying. He's not saying don't judge. He's not saying don't call him out. He's saying, hey, you are sinning yourself. Take care of that so you can go help your brother. You need to see yourself clearly first. You need to understand that you are a sinner first before you can even approach somebody else and say, hey, let's talk about your sin. You need to realize that you are a sinner and you need to work on your sin with God before you can approach somebody else and say, hey, uh, let's work on yours. Are you working on yours? Now, it's not always the case you know, that we should kind of hold back, right? Because judging is not sin, right? Unrighteous judgment is a sin. So we have to, at times, be able to see others clearly. We have to see others clearly. And this is why I know Jesus is not saying those sin. It's because of these verses, right? Jesus is not saying pause or judgment. But you see, there's going to be times where, where we're going to feed precious words to people who won't receive them with content. With content. So we need to use discernment to identify when we're doing so. There's going to be times that you're going to approach somebody. And it's like talking to the wall, talking to an air. So Jesus says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So basically, you can kind of say Jesus is saying, look, don't be so judgmental, but hey, I mean, don't just pull all the way back. I mean, don't be like that judging guy, but hey, don't trash judgment. In the, don't put judgment in the trash and say, I'm never going to judge anyone. We're basically saying, 
and, and this can apply in, in, in both sub, multiple scenarios, but it's kind of it's the same idea. First, there, there's, you know, we've all been called to preach the gospel. We've all been called to teach, right? Before we can preach the gospel to someone, we have to make a judgment of that person, right? Hey, that person needs to be preached the gospel, right? You're saying, hey, you know, the pastor needs the gospel to be preached at him. You have to de determine whether I'm saying teaching correctly or not, right? You wouldn't just want to say, hey, the pastor needs uh, to, for us to teach him the gospel. But I don't know who he is. You got to, you know, you got to use your best judgment to decide whether someone needs the gospel or not. The gospel is not only good news because there's bad news, right? The, sorry, the gospel is only good news because there's bad news. And we can't accept the good news if we don't accept the bad news that we're sinners. So it's got to start with that. Right? That's what's done properly. Before we preach the gospel, we've got to recognize we need the gospel ourselves. This is why it's important that, we, that when we, we are taking others' uh, people's sin seriously, that you've taken your serious as well. But as you preach the gospel, there's going to be times that you will come across someone who just doesn't care. You're going to preach that gospel, and that guy is not going to care. And of course, we must have this urgency for those who re to repent and trust Christ, but that doesn't mean that we ought to just mindlessly just engage in evangelism with them, uh, just literally wasting your time. I mean, I've, I've seen it where we just, you know, that's what one, one thing you get taught when you're going to go out and evangelize in the street. Don't talk to a guy who's drunk. He ain't understanding a word you're saying. He's not going to understand. And, and he sucks. I get it. You know, I wish he wasn't in that state. I wanted him to know Christ too. But he's not going to remember a single word. If the guy's on drugs, he's, I've seen it where, where, where I had a, you know, a friend once tried to talk to someone who was on, clearly was on drugs. And he almost got his butt kicked because he was more under the influence than he was clearly listening to you. He wasn't. So we avoid those situations. And this is what Jesus is talking about. You have to use your best judgment to realize when it's, what is happening and who you're talking to. And, and there's going to be times where you're going to realize that hmm, I need to move on. That's the case. Be aware. Sometimes you need to move on. And then another scenario, which is more into the context of what's really happening here, there's going to be times where you're righteously going to judge and make an attempt to help your brother, and you're going to be rejected by your brother over and over again. You, you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware that you're going to help your brother. You say, you know what? I'm not living in a sinful lifestyme, uh, lifestyle, but my brother is. And, and I really care about his life. And I'm not going to put him down. I, I want to lift him up and let me, let me go help him. And he's going to reject you. And he's going to do it over and over again. There's even going to be times where you're going to go to teach to a group of people. Even to a church. You'll be like, I'm going to go to Joel Osteen's church and I'm going to preach to all those people. And they're going to reject you. There's, you have to be aware that it's going to come to a, a point in time that you're going to have to make a decision to move on. You're saying, you know what? I've been here five times and no one's repented. I'm going to have to go to another church and preach the gospel. 
I have to go to another friend because my friend is not allowing me to help him. Hey, I got other friends are hurting. You know what? I tried. I need to move on. There's going to come a time for that. Matthew 10, 14, we see that picture, right? And it says, And if anyone who will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Basically, you're asked to help your brother, but only go as far as where the pigs are. If you reach the pigs and the pigs are there, don't bother with the pigs. Go somewhere else. Because the pigs are going to constantly reject the gospel. They're going to constantly reject your help. They're never going to understand the full value of what it is that you're saying to them. The early church had the same problem. And when they saw the rejection, the apostles left them. And you can see that in Acts chapter 19, verse 9. I'm not going to read it. But you can see it. It happened to them. And they just walked away. And I'm not saying stop reaching out to your brother to help them with their sin, right? There's, there's got to find a balance, right? It's always, you know, I'm always talking about finding your balance. Don't go from one extreme to another. You find that balance. I mean, we're not the ones to determine who's a pig or not. That's not our job. I think for the most part, at least me, I was a pig once. But there's a difference. See, there, there are those who are just going to reject what you're saying because they don't like it. But really, deep down, they're listening. We don't stop because you might be talking to that person that's saying, no, you're wrong. But deep down, they're like, maybe he's right. They just don't want to admit it. So they go home. They're like, oh, this guy, hmm, was this guy true? Right? That's a different, that's a different way of rejecting something. They're rejecting you, but they're really inside or really just picking something up, and you never know what can come out of that. And then there's, you know, those who are going to reject it. You're trying to help them. You're saying, hey, I need, need help. They're going to reject you. You're trying to preach the gospel. They're going to not listen, but that's not going to stop there. They're going to bash you. They're going to humiliate you. They're going to trash the words of God, and then they're going to just spit that words right back into your face. And I've seen those. I've seen where I'm having a conversation with somebody. I know this guy is just here to make fun of me. He don't want to listen. He just literally got into the conversation because he wants, me, wants to make me look like I'm crazy. Right? He's not out here to listen. That's a different kind of rejection. One is just rejection because it's sinful, like we, most of us have done at one point in our time. And then there's that rejection where we hate it so much that we're going to humiliate the person. Again, we just don't sit back and do nothing because you never know who's, who's God's going to use through you, right? You, you never know who's God's going to change the heart using you. So we don't just sit and do nothing. But we have to be mindful and be aware of those who are just going to stump your message. So we come to verse 7. Because judgment is a, it's a hot topic, right? And it's a hot topic because it's hard to talk about. Right? There's a line here, right? It's hard to find that line. Should, should I judge? Should I call him out? Should should I not? Am I good? Am I, am I good to call him out? You know, is this guy a pig or not? What, what, what's going on, right? It's hard. It's difficult. 
know, see, sometimes it's easy to forget that, you know, we have to judge righteously. Sometimes we forget we are as much or worse of sinners as anyone else is. And it's hard at times to realize who are those who are truly listening to us. It's not easy. Just like Jesus said at the sermon, the narrow gate is hard path. And it's hard because you have to recognize that you are a sinner. And that's hard. It's easy to point somebody else, but it's hard to recognize your own sin. And it's hard to determine who's, who's listening who's not. Sometimes they look like they're listening, but really they're just taking notes so they can put it on YouTube and be like, I just spoke to a guy and make fun of you. We don't know. It's hard. That's why we have to be able to see God more clearly. And that's why Jesus goes on to say, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And we have to make sure we don't go out of context here because you know, God's not telling us whatever you want, I'm going to give you. We, we know that. We've talked about this many times. Remember, Jesus, uh, he's not telling us throughout all this not to judge, that we shouldn't judge. He's saying that you're judging others while ignoring the fact that you yourself is a sinner. So here he's saying that your sinfulness has to be removed from you so you can see clearly, help others who are struggling with theirs. So ask to be cleansed. That's what he's saying. Ask to be cleansed. Ask to be healed. Ask to see your own sin. Ask. Seek to be transformed. Knock and I will open. Right? We want to say, oh, he says seek and ask and he's going to give it to us. Ask for yourself to see your own sinful nature. And because you're doing this, because the ability for you to say, God, please allow me to see where I'm sinful at, allow me to see my own sinfulness, when you're doing that, I mean, God's done something in you. You've recognized who God is. And God's going to reveal the sin in your life. God is going to heal you. And you're going to find salvation in Him. That's because you're seeing clearly who God is. You're not saying, hey, God, give me what I want. Say, God, make me who you want me to be. And when you're at that point... Of course he's going to open. Of course he's going to be uh, find salvation because you're at that point. You can't be at the point if you're, he hasn't changed your heart. So once you're there, he has changed your heart. You can't do that just because you wanted to. Crock says, uh, ask with confidence and humility. Seek with care and application. Knock with earnestness and perseverance. So when Jesus says, ask, seek, Knock, he's telling us to have an intensity, a passion, and a persistence in our prayer. And when we're after the will of God, he has promised that he will ultimately find peace in him. We're going to find peace in him because we're seeking his will. And we're going to find everlasting life. And that is the reward. That is an answer prayer. That is what we should be seeking for. That he changes who we are, that we may be saved. And if you look at this, this is clearly 
a sign of who we really are. If we're, if we're asking, if we're seeking, if we're knocking, we're beggars. We're, we're asking, give me. I don't have. I'm lacking something. I need to find this. Where can I find this? Who does that? A beggar. A beggar is constantly seeking and asking. We are beggars. We're asking and seeking and knocking so God can give us what we need so then we can go to others and tell them where is it that we found what we need. Isn't that how it works? God changes us. And then we tell others, hey, this is truth right here. I found something that is lacking in my life, which was salvation. We, we go our whole life trying to figure this out. There's no purpose. I can't find a purpose. Why do I keep messing up? Oh, man. Oh, man. We're freaking out about everything. We, ha- we lose hope. We, we're, we're paranoid because who's going to be present and who's not. But we have peace because we found Christ. We go share that. We tell others. I mean, why wouldn't he, right? Why wouldn't he give you something that you know you need, right? When you're asking for it, you're saying, God, give me this ability to see my sin and want it to be removed. Give me that desire not to be sinful. And you need that. So why wouldn't you? So he says, which one of you, if the son asks for bread, will give him a stone? You need food. So what kind of father will you ask for? What kind of son will ask his father for something he needs to be alive, food? And then says, here, here's a stone. No father would do that. No good father, at least. Or if he asks for a fish, gives him a serpent. I mean, we in this world can only love so much, yet we're willing to give when somebody asks for something they need, right? This week I I asked, guys, we have a need. Can you help me fill the need? You guys were loving, you know, by praying, by whatever the need was, you fulfilled it because you loved it. I have a need, you care, but we're not perfect, and we can do that. We're not perfect, and we can do that. How much the Creator, who is perfect, who loves perfectly, is going to give you when you ask for exactly what you need? And we all know what we all need. We need salvation. We have a problem. He will remove those sinful desires. He will change your heart and and He's going to change the hearts of others too. Because when we pray, we pray for our sins to be revealed and for our lives to change, but we pray for those uh, around us as well. You can't approach your brother and say, well, I'm going to make you change because we know we're not going to change them. We pray for them as well. God, change their hearts. Reveal their sin to them. I know many who who come to Christ full of sin. Actually, I think everyone who comes to Christ comes full of sin. But I've seen firsthand as they ask and seek and knock, God removes those sinful desires in their lives. I've seen it where others ask, seek, and knock for others' sin, and God has worked in their life as well. I've seen it with my own eyes. 
That's nothing we can do. It can only be done in Christ. And because it can only be done in Christ, don't be eager to judge someone. Don't be eager to pounce on someone. See clearly yourself first. Look at yourself first. And when you're in the right place to judge, make sure you're seeing clearly others. Those who are you going to approach, make sure you can see them clearly. And most important, run to God. Run to God so you can see clearly who He is and the things He's done. Run to God. Because He's going to reveal all those things to us if we're asking of Him. God, I want to know who, who I should be talking to, who's not going to waste my time. God, please, I want to help people. He's going to reveal who those that you need to help. God, change who I am. He's going to change who you are. God, change my brother. He's going to change your brother. And you got to ask, you got to seek, and you got to knock. That's what Jesus is saying with that. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect, or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us. Again, we want to thank you for listening. And remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church. Mm -hmm.